0: everybody, welcome back to the Creative Genius episode 14. Good news, Jim is back. Hey oh. It says he's sick again in here. So uh Jim, are you back, sniffles and all?
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh I don't I don't know where it's all coming from, but you know, I just keep getting sick. It's it's like I I'll get over it and then I just get hit with something totally new. And so, um, Rebattling some new some new bug at the moment, but um, but I seem to be on the better half of it
2: so so maybe it's just you building up your immunity you know like you're catching everything now so you can get through the rest of the cold season without anything you know oh I hope so that was uh, that was one of my favorite things so I worked in a pharmacy as my first job, and the first year I got sick every month every month I would catch like some form of cold new it would put me you know kind of on my butt for two days and then after the first year. I never got sick. I maybe got sick once a year around flu season, but it was very minor, only lasted like a day or two. And the rest of the year, I was never sick. See, that's awesome. Yeah, it was the best. And um, I thought, oh, maybe I'll get that back with, you know, my kids. And so far, it's just been, I don't think it's as consistent, right? Because they only catch things like during the cold season. And it's not like, you know, where I was at a place where sick people were coming to every day, you know, so. but hey. There there might be a silver lining, you know, uh, and maybe you'll just won't get sick anymore, you know? I hope that's the case,
1: because it's not like when you get sick when you're a kid and you get a day home from school to just lay in bed. And, you know, now I'm an adult and I'm like, oh, I wonder if I have enough sick time for this sort of thing.
2: Or it's like, hey, that paper is still due tomorrow. I don't care if you're sick. Like,
1: <laughs> it's still due. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I I actually have a really embarrassing story. When I was a kid, I used to, I think I may have even said this on the podcast before, but I used to think you had to like, if I wanted to not be sick anymore, I just had to like cough on other people to give it to them and then it would go away from me. So I was this like five-year-old running around like coughing on other five-year-olds hoping to like get rid of my sickness. And I didn't understand the concept of like, no, I just had to get rid of it myself so these these poor kids that were around me, I probably spread so much sickness when I was a young kid.
2: The poor parents, because like I've seen kids cough with their mouths open and you know like run out of the bathroom without washing their hands, and I'm like you know the the old man who will be like, hey, cover your mouth. <laughs> They're not even my kids, you know, but I'm like, you're endangering other you know other organisms. Just stop. You go away.
1: When I was a kid, I thought like people around the world used to take turns sneezing. And so whenever I'd see someone sneeze, I'm like, oh, I wonder when it'll be my turn.
2: That's interesting. <laughs> yep, that was me. That's funny.
0: Well, this week was a uh, pretty big week in one of the uh, scenes we talked about, the tech scene. Uh, it looks like Apple put on their pre-orders for the iPhone X. So I'm kind of curious, did uh, any of you order?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, I'm very, very excited. I'm very, very excited. I ordered my my ten, and it's it's seriously the phone I've been waiting for for so long. I remember having my LG Voyager. I don't know how many years ago it had. It still had like two screens and like a physical keyboard. And I just thought to myself, if only this phone, it was just all screen and no bezels. And after that, I got my first iPhone, and I just I just kept thinking the same thing for years. And finally, and finally, it has happened. I'm very excited.
2: Yeah, I didn't pre-order. I'm I'm usually late to the party when it comes to pre-ordering. Like um, I was supposed to pre-order Super Mario Galaxy, you know, months ago. And uh I was like, I ah, no, I'll just I'll just get it on eShop and then I was uh you know waiting for the bus on Friday and one of my coworkers was like hey, did you pre-order, you know, Mario? And I was like, no, I'm just going to order it here. He's like, you get 20% off if you pre-order on Amazon. I'm like, what? So I immediately pre-ordered right then and there. But uh, I'm really bad about pre-ordering. So I think I'm just going to kind of like wait it out and uh, and see if I can like go to a store and get one, which is like some of the worst advice to anyone or like the worst plan ever. Like maybe I'll just drop by and like, Hopefully, maybe surprise and delight. Like some store is going to have one.
0: Casually stroll in.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, I have an iPhone Seven Plus right now, so like I'm, I, I want an iPhone Ten definitely. It's a very appealing, you know, design and concept to have. You know, minimal bezels, right? Like just I just want a little bit of marbling, you know, for the fat around there. I don't want like you know these big chunks, you know, on uh, on my steak. So, kind of, kind of slimming it down is just—it looks really nice, and uh, you know, the whole the Face ID thing is really intriguing to me as well. Um, especially once you see all like the technology they threw at that. So, I'm I'm going to get one eventually. I just—who knows when that will be? I mean, I'm sure follow up—you know, eight months from now by hey, guess what? I finally got one.
0: Well, uh, I, I also uh, did the gym thing and I pre-ordered, so uh, I will have mine. Um, I am excited about it uh I do think it's a uh something that only a niched percentage of the market sort of uh needs but i I regretfully see like most of the market wants it, which is interesting i mean it's good for apple i guess at the in the long run it makes money uh but i i I kind of fear how many people actually are going to see the difference between it and apple's regular phone so um, we'll see. I mean, uh I this is only good for Apple, I guess, in the end. Makes them dollars, which keeps them in business. So, that's good.
2: I like how you said, they're regular phones.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, it's kind of complicated today. They have a lot of phones, you know? Anyway, so let's move on to some follow-up here. There's uh follow-up for Nintendo uh crushing the game business. So, uh I know Adam, you put I think this first stat in here. You want to uh give this some color for us?
2: I didn't put that link in there. I just put the the thing after that that Lou can't find stats.
0: Ah, uh, okay. Because this is, I guess, this is my link. Then I, I figured you would have like overrode it with some other link. Um, so I'll drop the link in the show notes. But I found some market data that
2: kind of shows like old market data, old market data. It's
0: not really that old. It's forecasting for 2017
2: before the switch actually started shipping.
0: Oh dear God! But regardless of whether the switch is shipping or not, they still haven't made a major. That doesn't market-
2: matter it doesn't matter because you're talking about now a company whose you know profits and these are you know the expectations and you know their projections based on a product that hasn't been released a product that they don't know how well is going to be received a product that has garnered at least some hype at the time of your publishing um, but now if you look at anything like they're selling more units than PlayStation granted that's you know you know not as comparable since PlayStation you know came out however many years ago and this is you know the switch but I I think the thing to take away here is like, you definitely threw them out of the gaming category in the last episode. And it was really sad um, because every Nintendo fanboy is like, come on, man, like you can't, if you love them or hate them, you can't say that they're out of the race. Like you can't say that there are only two players in the space. Right. Because Nintendo like it or not is always, they always have something at the table. Right. Um, Branching into mobile. Like you, you see them kind of going everywhere and Nintendo, is still selling a lot of units. They're still making money. And this is the kind of turnaround that they needed. They had a slump after the Wii, you know, um, where it's like, we don't know what we want to do or we kind of have an idea, but either the tech's not there or we're not able to do it in the way we want. So we'll release kind of a filler product. Hi, Wii U, I'm talking to you. Um, And then now the Switch is there. And the Switch came out and the Switch has been very well received and it's selling tons and tons of units. And even the president of Nintendo America is like, I just wish we had more hardware to sell.
1: I think it was really almost advantageous for them to wait as long as they did because PlayStation and Xbox um, have taken a really long time to make new consoles. I, I can't remember when the one came out. I feel like it was sometime around 2010, maybe, something like that. Um, so it's been a long time since we've had anything like any sort of fresh new console, and all the consoles that have been coming out for the past 10 years have all been stationary. And so I think it was actually to Nintendo's benefit to wait and come out with something that's so different. And I, it kind of feels like what the U, the Wii U was supposed to be—just kind of this, you know, powerful portable gaming machine. Um, so I think this has actually worked out quite well for them. So I, I have to agree
0: with you, Adam. So I'm not going to say Nintendo is not part of the industry at all. That that you already said it. No, I said they are the smallest player in the industry right now.
2: And I you said that there are two players that we're talking about, like you're basically omitting them. Omitting them is basically claiming that they're not a player.
0: Hey, I'm going to say they're single digits and they definitely still are. So, uh, I mean, I, I think this is like, if you paint this picture in, in another industry or something like this, look at like mobile phones. When I think of, you know, Microsoft and Sony, you know, I really think of sort of like the, you know, Apple and, uh, Samsung, you know, and don't get me wrong. You know, Huawei and all these other, like, sort of brands are coming on strong in the world of mobile phones, and that's what Nintendo is. They're the underdog. They were big at one point in time. They are not anymore, and they are on the rise again. I'm not counting them out, and I think they have tremendous potential because, like you said, Adam, they have characters. and. Like, nobody has characters, let's face it. But, um, you know, until I see the data in 2017 and 2018, um, that shows that they're, you know, in any way... If, if they get to, like, 20% of the market or 15% of the market, I'm counting them in. There's three players in the game. We're done. There's, there's, that's not even a question. But if, the, if they're in single digits, they're, they're not even close.
2: Wow. Nintendo hater. And it gave you so many good memories in your childhood. And you're basically saying, like Nintendo, I wish you were better.
0: Yeah, man. Times move on. Uh, anyway, let's let's go ahead and uh, move on to just a little bit more follow up. Uh, I know last week, Adam, I think you talked about this in in last week's show. This emulator called OpenEMU for the computer, and I definitely went out and took a look at it, and it was pretty sweet, I have to say. I uh, I set it up and I, I played a little N64. Diddy Kong Racing, uh, lived through my old roots a little bit and a little Eye, So I had some fun and, uh, I mean, granted, I'm going to say like I played it for, you know, an hour and I was like, okay, I've had my fun, you know, but, uh, but it was, it was fun for that hour.
2: Okay. I'm glad you at least went out and did some homework and got it. Um, cause yeah, I mean like emulation nowadays is, is become so much easier but so much more accessible. Um, and this OpenEMU, which we can put a link in uh, in the show notes. I don't know if we did last time or not, but um, they have a really nice platform for um, Mac in particular, and uh, kind of builds in like the game library for ROMs and uh, makes it very appealing. Uh, cam- or sorry, controller bindings are the the process they have for that is pretty nice, and the games play well. So,
0: yeah, it's, it was it was very cool, very neat to check out. Um, really easy like consumer friendly in terms of like i d- i feel like you know i'm not very techy in terms of i i am techy but someone who's not techy could easily set this up which i thought was pretty cool because i know emulators aren't always like that sometimes there's like these crazy things involved so this seems like the most polished one i've seen in a long time which is very cool i don't know jim have you seen this at all i
1: actually i haven't um i don't have a whole lot of experience with uh
0: emulators. Alright, well maybe you can check it out too and let us know what your thoughts are.
1: No, oh, yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, Jim, like what's what's an old game you haven't played in a really long time that you'd want to play again? Fable. That's not that old, man. Come on. Really old? Yeah, older.
1: Um probably the first Prince of Persia or uh 007 Goldeneye on Nintendo sixty four.
2: Okay, yeah. Go the further back you go, the easier it is for emulation to do what it needs to do. I mean, like once you start hitting like PlayStation and PlayStation Portable, like then it kind of gets harder to emulate just because you're doing so much more translation for what you know games were built uh, for specific processors and graphics cards are meant to do. So you're doing a lot more translation, which is a lot more overhead. Um, but stuff like older stuff like arcade games, Nintendo games, um, Sega, N sixty four, all the way up to like Genesis and PlayStation One, those ones are are pretty easy. So that's really awesome. I mean, really,
1: the only emulator experience that I've had is on my Xbox. Um.
2: So that's a good point because, like, more and more, like, and we mentioned this, Lou, you kind of alluded to it with Nintendo having their IP, right? Like, that is something that's very near and dear to them. And you talk about being able to sell your old catalog over again. That's yeah. Why not? So, yeah, like Xbox, you know, like they have some backwards compatibility and Nintendo has always had like on their consoles, like especially on the Wii, they had the uh, the GameCube console, right? Where you could play GameCube games on the Wii um, and N64 games you could play on there, too. Like they had a whole virtual console, which you could just, you know, charge people, you know, maybe 10 bucks, you know, for a game that they used to pay $50 for. And then that's just, you know, extra money in your pocket for something that you had already developed, had to do a little bit of work to make it, you know, compatible with your virtual console and more money in your pockets.
1: Yeah, which is really, it's great for everybody because there's a lot of old Xbox games that I really love to play. Love to play. And it was kind of out of left field, you know, once once they made, once Microsoft made Xbox One, it was it was pretty well established that they weren't, it wasn't going to be backwards compatible like they had moved on from it. There was enough people who said that they wanted their old games that um that Xbox decided to actually make an emulator so your Xbox 1 pretends it's an Xbox 360 so they can play those games.
2: So good. Market, you know, so once you once you whine enough, you get what you want. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm going to insert that cheese emoji here. <laughs> <laughs> cool,
0: let's uh move on to this week's episode which is uh all about robots and uh We kind of start this week. I I won't drop a link in the show notes here just to basically the the rough definition we're using. Uh, And just to give you a little context here, just we're kind of working with the idea that, you know, just a robot is anything that's a machine and generally capable of performing tasks uh, for us as humans. Um, But I know we kind of want to drop into some categories. Um, so I know first in the outline here is, is sort of military robots. Uh, and I know we previously talked about this first link, which is the Boston Dynamics Group. What are you guys' thoughts on uh, on them as a group and military use in robots? And I'm just kind of curious where you guys are at with, uh, do you think it's really innovative? Do you think it's, what sort of dilemmas do we face, pro and con in that area?
1: So are we, uh, are we talking in terms of, of like military use or
0: yeah definitely we're talking in terms of uh you know w- w- what are your thoughts on the pros and cons of uh robots used in the military in terms of you know boston dynamics is a company that is doing a lot of research in this area and and there's a lot of i think ethical questions that start to come up uh, with robots in the military but w- what are your thoughts are, are they a must do we need them do we not I certainly think it's um,
1: a natural progression for the military to to start using robots in warfare. I mean, we already see it, right? I mean, we see it with, with drone technology. So, I mean, by definition, uh, drones are, um, are machines, so therefore they are robots. So, I think the, I think the time of foot soldiers may be coming to an end. And, you know, that could be a really great thing or it could be a really bad thing. And we've kind of touched on this before where in the sense of it just becoming a video game, does it kind of, you know, make you callous to what you're actually doing, um, or do you actually recognize, um, you know, what it is that you're doing on a, a kind of humanitarian level? Um, so I think in some ways, like it's absolutely like a, a, a great progression. I think it's a good thing in terms of um, it could lessen uh, civilian casualties. It could, you know, it could remove some PTSD type stuff um, because you're not actually out on the battlefield. But I mean. It could. I mean, I mean, you're still killing people, so I mean, I'm not sure in terms of 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 that. Um, so from the actual like war aspect, um, there are certainly pros and cons to it. Um, just kind of depends on on uh, on how you view it. Um, but in other terms, I mean, you could come out with some really cool new technology just because you know, especially the United States military budget. There's just so much money that's being funded into our military, so I mean, they could really create some amazing technology. You know, I mean. Um, with I mean with a small amount of funding that like say NASA gets, um, they make incredible technology and they make really intelligent robots I mean we landed a basically a mini cooper on Mars which analyzes soil uh, um, on Mars and is telling us whether or not we can colonize it or not, and that's pretty amazing so I mean that is a that is a robot so if NASA can do that with its small budget, comparatively speaking to the United States military budget, I can only imagine what kind of technologies that they could actually make that could either benefit or um, or hurt the world right so
2: yeah, I definitely think the military is a place where like a lot of technology goes to develop and to prosper because most of the time when you have an idea, you're like, well, what problem can this solve um, in the military since you know in the United States, our military is so vast and kind of branches all over the place. There's usually an idea they have, like, oh, well, we could use that for X or Y. Um, And like James said, like, getting it to, you know, prevent the loss of human life is a top priority for the military in a lot of aspects. So robots have really been able to kind of grow and foster in that field, right? Like, okay, well, we can send a drone, right, an unmanned vehicle to go into here, or we can send... You know, this tiny robot to scout this house or whatever, or, you know, even in like local police forces, right? Like to disarm bombs. And, you know, that's all technology that has kind of come before it, uh, through, through military use. So, I mean, do I think it's a, it's a good thing? I think it's, it's definitely a great place because there's a lot of funding that goes through there. And a lot of these companies, that's the one thing they need, right? It's like, Hey, we have all these ideas and we can do all these things, but to produce them in scale, we need X amount of dollars, right? Um, We need materials, we need, you know, this, we need manpower. Uh, We have the core idea, but we want to see how far we can take that. And the military is a great place to, or a great organization to facilitate that. So I think it's it's a good thing overall for the development of robots, but I think there's a lot of gray area in terms of like what actually gets developed and how it's actually being used.
0: Yeah, I think, Adam, I think you put it pretty well there that, you know, robots really do kind of grow in the military or right? they things start this sort of technology starts in the military we've seen this with other technologies like gps that have you know come out of the military and and so this is where this technology goes to kind of foster itself as far as the morality and ethics of it that's that's a whole nother argument and one that i i know we want to uh, I know I want to talk about it at least, and I know we want to talk about it briefly here. I I dropped in a a link to a a pretty lengthy paper that was written um, as kind of like a, it looks like almost like a PhD paper um, for the U S Navy um, from someone at Cal Poly. Uh, I think it was slow. Um, And um, it seems like it, it, it sort of debates the ethics of, of this sort of idea and, it's really interesting to me, I, I, I don't know where the military exactly stands on this because there's so many facets to it that I think different departments have different feelings on, on whether it's right or not, should a robot be able to, you know, take a human life. Um, and I, I'm not sure I have a, a firm stance on it myself, uh, but I, I know it's got some heavy weight behind it, so I'm kind of curious what your guys' thoughts are.
2: That's breaking like the cardinal rule of robotics, right? And aren't there only three rules in robotics? And that's what every movie has, you know. Basically said there, there are three rules: like you can't hurt another robot, or you can't hurt a human being, and there's one other one. But I think once you start getting into the robot being the deciding factor, um, we talked about this with self-driving cars too, right? Like if a self-driving car is put in a scenario where it is going to be in a crash and it is going to cause a fatality, how does it choose what that is, right? Or how does it choose which life is going to take priority? And, and that's a really messed up situation. And I know we've kind of like dipped our toe on that once or twice and kind of pointed out this is a really fucked up situation. Um, and the military, right, like once you dig into that, right, if a robot is taking another human's life, someone has to be accountable for that um and that has to be kind of down the chain like so it's not the robot doing this a robot was tasked by someone to do this right the robot committed a crime in a sense right if it was something that happened right like you, you can say i hired a hitman to do it so i shouldn't be responsible for the murder right? well yes the hitman carried out the murder you planned the murder you know those kinds of things so i don't think robots should be taking human lives <laughs> I don't think that's a thing that should happen.
0: The question then is, Adam, so if you don't think they themselves can make the decision, can somebody who is directing the robot make that decision?
2: Well, so then that comes to the whole question of it, the robot is being controlled by a person. It's not being controlled programmatically. Um, so at that point, it's remote control. And yes, the person pulling the trigger is responsible. Man, this get, this gets into like a whole like, Guns don't kill people, people kill people type thing. Robots don't kill people, people kill people. It's If if it's a robot in the sense it can think for itself, right, artificial intelligence-wise, or it's carrying out an action that was programmed to do, that goes back to who made that program, who made that decision. It all comes back to whoever designed and developed the robot to do this task. That's my opinion. Um, if the robot is not thinking for itself, which, God, I hope they don't start doing, um, because We've been really mean to robots, which we'll talk about later, uh, but if they're not thinking for themselves, someone else is telling them to do something, that's the person responsible
1: so in in those terms if if we have a robot that is programmed uh, to make those decisions versus the person actually pulling the trigger, you know it, it's uh it's a joystick that tells a robot to pull the trigger, and it's not the robot itself making the decision, but the person who's in control of the robot making the decision to kill somebody. Who would then go on? You know, if, if for example it was a murder, or for example it was some kind of war crime, whatever the case may be, how would that how would that jurisdiction go? Would you blame the robot? Would you blame the person who made the program? Would you blame the person who pulled the trigger? To told that, that controls a robot? That you know, how would that work in in terms of of the law too? I mean, that's that's a really that's a really interesting.
0: I think. You in some sort of scenarios like this, you you start to not have to go after an individual, but a corporation. You know, whoever built the robot, commissioned and actually, you know, sure you could try to go after a programmer, but I think that gets pretty hard. You know, most of these projects are, you know, huge, um, you know, defense contractors, and and there's there's hundreds of people working on them, and so the, the easiest thing would be to hold an organization. Responsible, and to sort of, unfortunately, I feel like a lot of these sort of scenarios come up where we kind of have to make a uh, make a scene out of somebody, and it's kind of sad that that has to happen. But you know, make a scene out of a company, and you know they get you know hit with you know millions of dollars in lawsuits, and and you know they pay the price a little bit, and everybody learns from it and says, "Whoa, I'm not going to do that next time."
2: I'm curious how you came up with this hypothetical um, because you had kind of just mentioned. Uh, a robot taking a human life. Um, and I guess where we're all kind of you know getting hung up is like, well, the definition of a robot in this sense is just a machine to facilitate a task, right? Which is what we've kind of said. We're not talking about AI. We're not talking about this. We're just talking about a robot doing a task. And is is that safe to assume, Lou?
0: Yeah, I mean, sorry, I'm, I'm a little confused about your question.
2: I wanted to clarify. So when we're talking about a robot, we're just talking about a machine Carrying out a task, right? We're not talking about AI. We're just talking about the robot in the sense where it's a dumb robot, for lack of a better term, uh, where it's not thinking for itself. It's just carrying out what it was asked to do.
0: Well, I, I certainly would say that we we are blurring those lines today. I think so. That's why I might that was the the intent of my question is the that I agree. The old world school of thought is that you know in the last. 10 or 15, 20 years even, robots have pretty much been dumb, but AI is coming on pretty good today. No, just
2: and... okay, so so I I just want I just want an answer to, to my goddamn question. When we're talking about robots today, because this is going to change the entire topic of conversation, whether we decide on one definition or the other. So are we talking about robots that are only carrying out a task they were programmed to do? Um programmed in the sense where it's this is the only task they are they're meant to perform. They are not thinking for themselves. They're not making a decision on their own. They are just doing what they were programmed to do or what they were instructed to do and via remote control or whatever.
0: And I don't I don't see robots as that today. That's that's not what I see them as. So I see them as things that that are plugged into neural networks and other things that learn and adapt and and sort of Work on their own. I think that's where we're, we're then we're headed. talking
2: AI, right? We're, well, we're talking we're we, talking yeah, a we form are. of AI, we're talking right?
0: AI in robots, you know, because that's that's they're, they're still machines acting.
2: That's a totally different topic. That that changes the discussion completely from from what we've talked about. Um, because robotics, in a sense, are just the the machines, right? It's just the exterior, the exoskeleton, right? The thing that has motors and gears and, and actuators and Pulleys and lever- and does what it needs to do but the thing that drives a robot right where we're talking about it's making decisions based on this or we don't see this as as what robots are like now we're talking ai now we're talking something where we're digging a lot more into the the metaphys- metaphysical side of things rather than the physical so i wanted to put a hardline definition in just for for my you know train of thought because when when i assumed we were talking robotics I assume we're just going to talk like, hey, these are the cool robots out there. This is what they're doing. This is how they're helping improve, whatever. But if we start talking about them thinking about themselves, we start talking about you know the Terminator timeline, and then I'm going to start talking about like all the Terminator movies. And
0: oh, AI dear.
2: is something I think that we could spend <laughs> an, entire, an entire episode on alone. And I think mixing robotics into that right now, throws a wrench in things. Maybe I'm totally out of line here. I'll let you guys decide. Like I said, I'll sit in the back seat and eat my lollipop and, you know, look out the back window of the the Tesla model X. But I just, I just wanted to get a clear definition.
0: Okay. I, I, I see where you're going. And, uh, at least for me, I, I understand the mentality. Um, I think AI plays into robotics, but I understand you want to talk about the nuts and the bolts of the things. And, uh, and I think that's fair. That's, that's a fair argument. It's something I wanted to touch on in terms of the ethics of it, because I think that's definitely a debate we have, but that can of worms is, is pretty big. Uh, I understand.
2: Yeah, so like, put the lid back on it. Can we agree to do that for this episode? Like, just Slide that lid back on?
0: Yes, I'll put it back on.
2: I mean, unless Jim wants to open the can of worms, but I, I think we're going to be here till one in the morning if we do that.
0: No, we can keep
1: that can of worms closed. I mean, I, however, I will, I will say this. I will say, I, I understand where both of you are coming from, uh, especially with the world we live in now. Because when I think robotics, I, that is symbiotic with AI. Like those two just are there because that's just how robotics are being built. And so I certainly understand where Lou is coming from on the argument, where that's just, Kind of integrated into into most of our technology i mean it's it's even getting into you know our day to day technology like our cell phones with machine learning and stuff and you know and, and being able to predict like you know if I point my camera at this thing, what is this picture of, and so on and so forth so i mean it's just it's just kind of a part of our robotics now, but also that's a really big topic, and like you said we can we can certainly talk about a lot of it. Um, and I think that's going to be more in terms of, of AI specific rather than nuts and bolts specific. So, um, so I think we can leave it to two
2: episodes, two separate episodes, and then
1: you know maybe one day we can put those two things together. But I think for right now we need to stick with one or the other.
2: Yeah, b- believe me, I, I want to talk about both. I, I'm not trying to derail the conversation in a sense that I don't want to talk about AI and you know all of these ethics and everything that goes along with you know the, who a robot is, you know, um, we can get into the phil- philosophical discussion, I think another time for sure. And I think AI will be a two part episode because there's so much to talk about in that space. And like you guys said, there's AI in general and how it affects, you know, um, our modern day devices and there's AI and robotics and how that is growing and changing at a rate that is, is very quick, very fast paced, uh, and where there needs to be a lot of scrutiny. So um I think consensus right now is nuts and bolts. Strictly nuts and bolts.
0: Strictly nuts and bolts, I'm fine.
2: Good with me. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I know I derailed that conversation. Uh but
0: it's okay, Dad. You can get us back on track.
1: No, I think I think it was already derailed and I think you
2: were rerailing it. Hey, you know, Jim, I, I uh I like you. I think <laughs> you uh you can stay. <laughs> thanks man
0: <laughs> thanks guys two kids two against one i see how it is
2: that's why there's three of us right i mean there's never going to be a tie
0: well let's face it most of the time you two side together pop culture reasons all sorts of other reasons so me and adam are just bickering
2: you know to, so here we'll kind of lift the curtain a little bit jim and i have never met in person ever like that's the thing. Um, and it's funny how you just claim that I side with Jim or Jim sides with me, but I am really we're just siding against you. I think is the common denominator here pretty much. <laughs> so take a look in the mirror. Isn't that a song by some famous pop singer that I don't know?
0: I'm sure that it is. I don't know. I don't pop culture.
2: Uh, I've seen your uh, music recommendations. I know you do a little bit of pop.
0: Oh, I do Pop. Yeah, that's fine. I just don't know artist names, and I don't do Taylor Swift. So,
2: hey, she had a new single come out. By the way, talk oh, about derailing the God. conversation. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, let's get this train back on the tracks. So, I drew, I threw uh, one link in here to like this really cool robot. I I found a a, a link to that, that kind of closing out the military stuff. This one called the iRobot. I thought this thing was uh, pretty pretty neat this uh this thing is is able to go basically move at like the speed of a running human and carry like 500 pounds across the battlefield and it just totally looks like one of those things they use in uh like SWAT teams to dismantle you know bombs and all sorts of things but uh I can just imagine like a fleet of these things just like rolling across the battlefield and like the future of of what's to come I, I can't even fathom i I think this thing looks awesome
2: on a scale of like one to ten on the badass scale this thing's like maybe a four or five thanks i mean we'll we'll talk about some some robots down the down the road which uh which make that one look you know kind of puny all right all right i think
1: uh i think in terms of what it's what it's built for i think it's really cool um because it, it carries out to, to to do very specific jobs and it does those specific jobs very very well, and it and it obviously has a lot of strength. And you know it's not it's not easy to build any sort of robot, let alone one that can carry out one or many, you know, tasks for somebody. So I think I think this thing's pretty cool. Personally, I think it, I think it's pretty neat.
2: I mean, like that's the the best thing about robots, right? Is robots that can carry out the tasks that they were they're meant to perform. And I think this is a common trend we'll see as we kind of go down these, these categorizing of uh, robots and putting them in these scenarios is most of what you'll see is like, they're designed to do something very, very specific and do that task very, very well. Uh, And that's what's made the whole job market kind of change. Like with automation becoming more of a thing and, you know, computer science becoming more of a thing is because if you can program a robot to do a job that basically makes that job obsolete for a human. Um, and the more we can do that, just the more we can preserve and kind of nurture our, our other human intellect, right? We're not spending our time doing mundane, physical, physical jobs that a machine can do because we have built a machine that can do those things. And in the military, like we said, the number one name of the game is human safety. So anything we can do to take humans out of harm's way the better.
0: Very true, very true. So let's move on to the next category uh which we dropped in the the outline here is like workforce robots and I think one of the more common well-known uh you know like workforce robots that people know about are Amazon's little fleet of robots that run around their warehouses. I think these things are generally like small, low to the ground, low profile, and they like mostly pick up things and and uh you know bring them to workers, I'm pretty sure. Uh but I don't know what your guys' experience are with, with Amazon and their their robots and and what are your what your thoughts are.
2: Yeah, the uh the link you threw in here has them, you know, like picking up a box and dropping products into a box and moving that box to a certain location and, and it's facilitating the transport of items across a warehouse floor. Um And that's where robotics can really help, right? Especially when lifting heavy objects. When You talk about lifting a giant crate or doing a repetitive motion every day for a human is really, really bad for you. Um, Tons of studies are out there on that. And there's whole organizations developed strictly to make sure that you don't run into these workplace injuries from doing repetitive tasks and repetitive motions. And robots, they love that. Like... A repetitive motion is the easiest thing for a robot to do. So it's like, yeah, my tolerance means I can go from here to here and that's about it, right? Uh, but I can lift all of this weight. So I think definitely the warehouse is where you see a lot of it. And it's, it's really neat to see Amazon, especially being one of the largest retailers, online retailers, having so many different locations, finding a way to better facilitate, getting product moved around to the right place, whatever it needs to be um, without increasing their 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 workforce but that means less jobs for humans but those humans can get better jobs right finish finish your school get better jobs
1: i think uh i think any way that you can make your workplace safer is not only going to be popular with osha but it's also going to be popular with those who are actually doing the job uh, i mean uh I've, I've certainly thrown my back out uh, back when i worked for a fast food company um you know lifting heavy bags of whatever uh, and lifting them wrong, because... Did you work at In-N-Out? No, no, I worked at Del Taco.
2: Oh, man, In-N-Out would have been so much better. You should have just stuck with... Yeah, I totally worked at In-N-Out. I mean, In-N-Out, sorry. Uh, definitely worked for In-N-Out. Um, I haven't edited in out in a long time. It's been a while for me, too. Anyway, throw your back out. Throwing bags of whatever Del Taco put in their stuff. I mean, like, I'm not knocking Del Taco, but... Uh, I'll tell you this. Uh, Del Taco actually
1: actually sources their food very well um i would i would mash probably 150 pounds of beans a day uh for, everything is cooked really fresh like i mean if, if you're going to eat fast food like del taco is really really not that bad in comparison to other fast food i mean that's if you've made the decision to go you know that route um but anyway <laughs> if there, if there was some kind of machine that could have lifted the whatever for me to move it to the place uh, yeah, absolutely. Do that thing. It makes my life easier, and then I didn't have to be out of work for a couple of days to let my back fix itself. Right. So, so I think, I think, um, I think these Amazon robots are extraordinarily helpful in in, the, in those terms. And as Amazon continues to grow, they're going to start to use more and more technology, uh, to be able to make those tasks easier for people, um, and to be even more efficient, uh, down the road as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think Amazon's is they're definitely doing innovative things and uh, anything that helps their employees and their, you know, obviously they have a crazy logistics operation to solve, and so these these robots definitely make all of our lives a lot easier. <laughs> it's it's sort of mind-boggling they can get pretty much anything to me in 24 to 48 hours, uh, which is sort of insane. But these are definitely an integral part of their day-to-day operation. So that's, that's neat. So I don't think I threw this uh, link in, in the show notes here. This next one for these little orange uh, things going around. But there's a video we can link to. Uh, I think, Adam, you want to describe this?
2: Yeah, so when, when we talked about warehouse robots, uh, Amazon, in, in the article that you have in there, you can kind of see them moving large amounts of product around. Uh, but the link I threw in there is from a company in China where there are these little orange robots where something is placed on top of them and they all kind of drive around this warehouse floor and then drop these, these packages or whatever they need to into these chutes. Um, but it's very interesting to see because they have this really nice little cheesy soundtrack you know, playing in the, in the video. And just all of these robots and how they stop and they cross paths and they keep going and going. And there's just... 50 of them on the floor at once, all going to where they need to go without colliding with each other um, and just getting the job done. And to think of trying to coordinate that with a bunch of humans, which we all know, just look at any any intersection or any traffic scenario ever. We're not very good at it. Uh, robots are very efficient. So I liked that little video and just in the topic of warehouse drones, I figured it was relevant.
0: Yeah, that, that video is... Not gonna lie, like mind-boggling. I I I watched, you know, a minute or two or whatever. It, was, it wasn't very long, but I just as soon as I saw them all going on the floor, I was I was kind of mesmerized and and sensory overload. But right, for
2: humans, we're like, how do they make this work?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. You got to think about like all the servers that are probably having to make that all work because I assume they're all you know talking to some computer that is. Sending back information about where to go and how to go there. I mean, I guess unless they all have an onboard computer that's interacting with the other one right there, I'm not sure. But either way, what that is a technical feat that is marvelled.
2: They're like warehouse Roombas, you know. Like I guess that's the best way to describe them. But I think they're all on rails, you know, like where they only go.
0: <laughs> warehouse Roombas.
2: They're all on. Uh, they're all on rails, so they only go like the direction they're supposed to, and then. Based on, I think, the QR code that's placed on top of them, uh, they know which shoot to go to, so they know how to get to where they need to go, and they just need to know to stop for other robots, you know, if another robot's going, and kind of build in all of the the logic for for traffic in these scenarios, and just make sure there are no collisions, update that, you know, that logic every once in a while, and these things just kind of like do the work themselves. It's pretty amazing.
0: Yeah, it definitely is. So, moving on to the, like the next uh, area of the workforce, uh, we have medical here, and I, I dropped a link into this crazy robot that I've, you know, I've seen a couple times over the past few years, and just like mostly news reports and things I hear this talked about. But this um, robot that was designed called the Da Vinci surgical system, and I guess the intent here is that. Essentially, it's it's human-operated and, and used in surgery a lot to um, get into very tight areas that humans can't get in. Uh, and it also sort of works like a video game. Like, the doctor is, like, not next to the machine at all. He's in sometimes, like, another room altogether, and he's operating on the human, but he has this robot that can, you know, suture and do all sorts of things. And um, it's just kind of nuts to see this thing operate because you basically just put a patient you know, on the table, and here's this giant machine with like, you know, six arms all inside the, the person at the same time, and one's stitching, and one's cutting, and one's doing this and that. It, 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 it is a marvel to see it work, but I guess the neat part about it is it's a lot more accurate um, than just the average human can be because it can be so precise. So, when it does do, um, you know, surgery, oftentimes it's a lot less invasive um, and we all know that can lead to speedier recoveries and, and less air prone and all that. So it's really cool. And, and I know vision wise, it's like nuts. The doctor can literally zoom in like 10 times or 20 times, like just see stuff that the normal human eye, even with like, uh, you know, magnifiers and stuff on their, on their normal glasses, they just can't see. So it's, it's a nuts system and and pretty cool.
1: It's pretty incredible the amount of accuracy this thing has. I've, I've seen this before and uh, there was a doctor doing a demonstration on the skin of a grape and it, they like cut off the skin of the grape and like re-stitched it back on, um, which is really incredible. Did the grape live? Uh, the grape did make a
2: successful recovery. Mission accomplished.
0: Definitely. Uh, so have you seen this before, Adam? Or is it me and Jim?
2: Uh, it's you and Jim. Um, I, I've heard of you know these types of things uh, and it definitely makes sense to me, right? Where you have doctors and humans performing this task where it requires immense precision, which we as humans are not so great at, right? We're pretty clumsy in terms of, you know, just walking around doing what we need to do where you can build something that has a very low tolerance and is very precise and can get the job done in a much better way while still being controlled and basically instructed by the person who has the brains and the knowledge to know exactly what the ramifications are for cutting this versus cutting that. Um, so it, it makes sense. It's one of those things where we're using machines and technology to make ourselves better at doing something than we were originally. Right. I mean, that's why we all have these, you know, motor vehicles and, uh, you know, planes and flight and everything, right? Is we wanted to do something better, faster, um, more efficient. So we built something to do it. So this uh this surgical system definitely kinda of fits that bill. Um and then I put below that uh did you guys ever see the movie Prometheus? That movie is a whole lot of nope. That's uh It's a giant nope fish, I know.
0: Yeah I mean, like that's that's a freaky movie.
2: Yeah. Uh Lou, I'm assuming no.
0: Yep, you answered your own question.
2: Yeah. So in Prometheus, there there's a scene, and why Jim is saying, nope, 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 is there's a scene where one of the characters um, has a foreign object in her body um, that is growing at, a, at an alarming rate in her uterus, and she needs to get it removed. And on the ship that she is on, it's a sci-fi movie, So on the ship that she is on, they have a robot that is like a surgical pod that will basically carry out any um, medical procedure that needs to be performed. So she gets in the pod and she says that she needs to have a cesarean and this robot basically proceeds to cut her open, remove the foreign object uh, and stitch her back up all within the span of what, maybe 45 seconds to a minute. It's pretty intense to watch.
1: Yeah, it's the the I don't know what you would call is in her. It's it's a fish-like creature. I don't know. It's
2: boy, it that was quite a scene. <laughs> so Prometheus precursor, or sorry, a a prequel to Alien. Uh so I don't want to spoil the movie for anybody. I mean, I, I was trying to be super vague, but sorry, spoiler for a movie that came out you know ten years ago, whatever it was. Um, but yeah, so basically there's these people who have made this biological weapon, which long story short, TLDR creates the alien that we're all so familiar with. Um, But before that it was infected into this lady's boyfriend, husband, whatever he was, they end up um, having intercourse and she, who is sterile manages to get pregnant somehow. And this alien baby is the result of that. And she gets it removed and it turns into, this crazy weird like alien with a bunch of arms and legs, which then latches on to another alien and then lays an egg in that. And then that hatches out into another form of alien that we've never seen before. So it's just aliens on aliens on aliens. Like literally aliens on aliens, like porno aliens on aliens. And it just gets weird. Like Jim said, it's a whole lot of nope. Whole lot of nope. So Lou... Totally watch it. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Not happening.
0: Uh all right. So continuing on, uh the next place we see this is sometimes on, on phones. You see the the robotics of, of different things. We the one I link I dropped in here was a uh you know, we always call into companies and there's automated systems that are sort of, you know, getting more and more pervasive today. And sometimes they can, they're getting pretty smart. Don't get me wrong. I mean, sometimes I've actually like not even spoken to a human and actually got through, um, the issue I had or, or whatever I need resolved. Uh, and other times they're you want to pull your hair out. So I, I get both sides of that argument, but, um, Apple's system when you call into I think just their their Apple care or their stores I'm not, I'm not sure um, this, this article goes in to describe like it knows when you've pushed it too far uh, and it's, it's pretty interesting because it 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 basically states that you know if you if you basically curse at the uh, the system in any way use any sort of foul language um, you immediately get through to a human and I think this is pretty Funny programming, because obviously somebody had to do this on the back end to make this happen. But there's a database of words, and if you say them right, you get a human. So uh just shows how, how much, I guess, humans don't really like this system.
2: Well, I think, you know, robocalls, in, in the sense of the actual robotics, right? Um, programming something to, to do this. I, I threw a link in here, which is um, robocalling, right? Which is, everyone knows about, you've always received a call, from someone who's not real, who's talking to you, telling you about you know this massive amount of money that you've won, and you just have to you know stay on the line, or say a word, or say this and that. Um, and that's what I associate robocalling with. It's just basically a program controlling phones to call one another to basically attempt to scam somebody. Uh, there's a really good reply-all episode that I, I put a link in for, uh, which goes through... Basically, unveiling this this robocalling scheme because this one lady was receiving all of these random calls, and they would have like recordings. And it digs into how they programmed this robocalling bot to basically work, and how they made money off of this. And by calling toll free numbers, you know the phone companies have to pay for that call, right? But when they pay the ten cents, it's split amongst every carrier involved in the call, and one little telecom, as long as they're part of completing this call, they get you know x amount of cents, and over the course of you know millions of calls, they build up a certain amount of money, and they share that with the person who made the program. So, in in the sense of without getting into like AI, right? Like we're just talking about pretty basic you know algorithms or logic to to say like oh they've said this, then direct here, right? If this, then that, right? Uh, very simple. This robocalling was very much the same thing just call this number and play a different recording and try to get a person to stay on the line as long as possible to rack up the most amount of you know money that gets split amongst all these telecom companies
0: yeah i I definitely say robo call well i mean so robo calling and and robo calls are are kind of um a little bit separate but that is a a pervasive problem today I actually use an app called RoboKiller so that hopefully I don't have to deal with some of these automated systems calling me and uh, I have to say it works pretty well uh, on my iPhone I I tend to get the app keeps track of how many calls you've had in the last 90 days and right now it says 17 so um, I think for my buck a month I think I'm paying for it I'll take the 17 calls it's blocked
2: yeah I just don't answer my phone at all anymore unless I know it's someone who's calling me.
0: Yeah, I was kind of at that point before, but it is really nice now to just, like, I just get a notification later that, like, oh, yeah, you missed a call. That where we Or not when we missed a call. We blocked the call, you know, so it's, it's interesting.
1: I get way more frustrated when I'm actually tricked into thinking it's a person, because it makes me feel stupid.
2: Oh, when they're like, hello? And you're like, hello? Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? And they're like... Press nine to beat. And I was like, "Oh, come on!" Okay, so there's kind of this <laughs> this thing that's a game in in uh, Robo
0: Killer where you can kind of play back at them, so you can select um like tones to play, so it'll answer at the call for them, and it'll play like a tone or like a, a pre-recorded tape for the person that's calling you and it records the phone call and uploads it to their server like a 30 second snippet of it and you can listen back to it if you want and i played with this at first i don't really have it on anymore but it was really funny so you can do this like uh like there's a pre-recorded one for like an old man and he's just sitting there and he's just like hello 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 <laughs> hello uh, hello and like and all and you know the person's trying to talk and they're just getting that played to them it is super great there's also like line disconnected or like the old like uh You know when you had dial-up and you dialed in and you would just get the, uh, like the internet sound like when it was dialing dial-up. Oh my God! There's so many good ones that they have. Um, there's you've won a cruise like you can you've won a cruise somebody. So that's that's good too. It's it it was kind of fun for the first few and then I was like, okay, I'm over this novelty. Interesting.
2: There was uh, there's a TED talk uh, by a guy who replies to like spammers.
1: Have you guys seen that? I've uh, I've seen somebody. Like that, who does it with their emails? Like if they get a phishing email, he'll like talk to the person. I don't yep, know. Yeah, that's the one I'm talking a, yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, super funny.
2: Yeah, he he goes on about you know he's like, well, how do I do this? And then he's like, are we still on for you know whatever? And he has this conversation with this person that's trying to scam him. It's not necessarily a robot robotic call, but it's very funny to see how you can kind of fight back by being humorous or having fun with it, right, and wasting their time, right. They're trying to waste your time. You can, in turn, try to waste their time as long as it's not eating into too much of your time.
1: I've certainly, uh, I've certainly wasted their time before, and it it brought me a lot of a lot of happiness.
2: Yeah, it's the little things in life, man. It's like I I ruined this scammer's life today, or not not his life, but I ruined his day today. I made him lose money today by saving someone else's
1: money.
0: Yeah, it's it. I want to see that TED talk, so uh, Adam, if you can either drop a link in the show notes or or send it over, I'd love to see it.
2: Just uh, search for "reply to spam TED talk." You can find
0: it. All right, I,
2: I can do that. Don't give S- me homework, yeah, the old man. I don't. I don't get homework anymore. Like that's not a thing for me.
0: You're sitting in the back seat anyway, looking at lollipop. Might as well at least send me the link. Uh, so, moving on, to good versus evil. Uh, this this section uh is gonna be interesting, uh but I think uh Adam, did you drop this in about uh the under good here, this robotic uh competitions?
2: Yeah, so I put like the the good and evil, right? And we we jumped into this way too early in this episode for, for my taste because we started talking about the military and someone dropped something of like, oh what if a robot kills somebody and then someone like me goes like wait 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 wait. And throws a bunch of you know things in the air and like waves his hands around and freaks out, um, but really what I wanted to say is like okay good good uses of robotics versus bad uh, and examples of what we see. So in the good sense, right? There's a robotics competition or a, a ton of robotics competitions, and I, I put the link that uh, that NASA has from their site. But this is all people coming together to try to find ways that robots can be smarter and solve more problems for us. So the you know the shining optimistic side of robotics being robotics are meant there to help enrich our lives and make humanity you know better and more advanced and kind of further us in terms of our technological evolution by completing these tasks and freeing up our time to do x y or z so i put a link in there because there's tons of different competitions and i've watched a couple and some of them are pretty pretty funny because They're given, you know, hey, like make a robot that will be able to complete these tasks. And on that day, all these robots try to complete these tasks and some of them fail in spectacular ways. Others, you know, ace, you know, one part of the test and then fail completely on the other because of their design or whatever it is. So I threw that in there just as a as a reference to see if you guys have ever seen any of those competitions, Um, but to kind of shed or put more light on the, the good side of what robotics are doing for humanity.
1: I think this really speaks to that idea that we were talking about earlier about, you know, robots are designed to do one specific thing really very well. Um, but when you try to ask them to do another task, it's like asking a goldfish to climb a tree. It just isn't going to happen. And so I think, I think seeing this is a really good example of that. Yeah, I,
0: I, I definitely agree with, with what Jim just said, um, I don't know that I really have a whole lot more to add here, but I, I know Adam, your next point in the, in the outline here talks about the, the Terminator. Um, and, uh, and I think this is where we were kind of going down that road earlier of the can of worms. Um, but what, uh, what, what is this link, uh,
2: rise of the machines? I didn't put that link in there. I saw rise of the machines and I put Terminator above it because Terminator rise of the machine, of, Mach- of the machines was a movie.
0: Ah, uh, okay. Because so I was going to say, I, I remember I put I put a link in here about the rise of the machines, but then the, the Terminator thing kind of made me like uh, throw off there because, you know, I don't do culture things. So, uh, um, no, I, I put a, a link about, you know, basically there was this, this article that uh, that I kind of was, I was searching around the web about robots and, and sort of the economy. And, and that's what was interesting to me was, you know, that essentially – In the U.S., there's sometimes a sentiment that I hear sometimes where people think, you know, oh, other countries have taken our jobs. China, Mexico, different countries. And this article kind of goes more in depth that, you know, we shouldn't be so worried about those countries taking jobs away from from U.S. uh, or from the U.S. uh, But... Or people think that, you know, like we have trade issues or something like that. But instead, the the machines are, in fact, the, the problem. Um, and to a degree, I, I think I, I agree a little bit with this article. But I think, um, personally, people are getting smarter. They're going into higher paying, hopefully more complex and technical jobs. Um, and they're doing less mundane work and these machines are aiding us, uh, through that mundane work. But I'm kind of curious what your guys' thoughts are.
1: I think you, I think you're
0: hitting the nail right on the head with that. Um,
1: you know, it's in terms of hearing people talk about which countries are taking whose jobs it's and they talk in terms of like these really high level positions and stuff. And it's like, you didn't have a chance of getting that job anyway. So I'm not sure why you're complaining. This person has the education and the degree that says that they can do this job. And that's why they got hired to do it. Um But I think, I think robots um, are definitely going to be taking more of, you know, those kind of um, entry level positions, you know, like at, you know, at, uh, at different uh, fast food restaurants or even, I mean, look at Amazon, right? I mean, People can certainly move a box from one end of the room to the other, um, but if you have 50 unpaid robots that just require uh, minimal maintenance, um, and they don't need any health insurance or X, Y, and Z, it's a lot easier to have a bunch of little robots moving all these packages all over the place where you need them to, and they can do it in really heavy loads, and they can do it quickly.
2: I think the big thing there, too, is it's cheaper, right? So. When we talk about people complaining that, you know, this robot took my job or this automation took my job, it's like, well, yes, that that is that is a growing problem, but in a sense where you now can go out and learn more and have a better higher paying job because the money that they saved from using robots to fill all these other tasks has opened up, you know, money to have someone in charge of those robots or to program those robots or whatever it is. And then there's the question of like okay well is that scalable right if we have you know a workplace of 50 people which gets replaced by a bunch of robots and we only need 5 people to manage those robots what happens to the other 45 you know there's always that question
0: Yeah and I think that's a good point Adam and and you pointed out something earlier that basically robots do an otherwise mundane task repetitively really well and if if we think about it from a health perspective humans like you said aren't made to do anything you know a bunch of times repeated and and that not wear their body down so I think there is possibly an argument to be made about the quality of life that, that is given back to those that are their jobs are being replaced by that because if they're you know doing something else instead of that otherwise mundane task they may actually live longer they may not have you know if if in Jim's point, you know, like, Hey, he was lifting heavy bags once when he was working at Del Taco. And if he no longer does that, well, he may live longer because his back may not have issues and, you know, other degrading elements to the body. So I think it's, it's, uh, it's not necessarily all for the bad. And I I can understand why some people can see it through that perspective or lens, but uh, I think it it has a lot of positive implications.
2: You know, I I just think of, you know, when, when automation takes over more things, and we're using Del Taco as an example, right? Can you imagine like a robot actually handling your your food order? Because right now, when you drive up to the window and you get the little, you know, speaker box that's broken and the person that you can barely understand because the technology that they're using for the drive-through thing is ancient and the microphone's never placed on the right, it's just, it's horrible. And then they're like, rah, 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 rah. I'm like, yeah, I want three tacos and a burrito and a large mountain dew or whatever, right? I'm like, rah, 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 you're like, yeah, I guess that's that that's how that works. And then you drive up to the window and you, you pay for your stuff and you get it back. It's not until after you pull out of the driveway thing where you start checking, like, God damn it, they forgot my, you know, Mountain Dew or if they forgot my hot sauce packets. And could you imagine if there was a robot where it was like you went up And we all know Texas Beach is, you know, it's it's getting there. But if you could say what you wanted, have it itemized on the screen, say yes, pay, drive up, have this thing basically come to you and be like, oh, cool, there's all my stuff. And I know it has what it is because it's a robot and it assembled my food. And, you know, I think Del Taco would be much more appealing to me than if they used Del Taco Bots to, you know, take care of all my food needs. Taco Bots. Yeah, yeah. Autobots, Decepticons, TacoBots. <laughs> yeah, you, you definitely
0: have to think too. It, it's, there are definitely businesses that are experimenting with this. I mean, I know uh, McDonald's and other fast food chain is kind of in some areas of the world is replacing their uh, ordering staff with the uh, you know like those kiosk machine kind of things. And and I mean, I know those aren't one hundred percent robots in the sense that they're not like assembling the food, but they uh, they cut down on you know uh, the the point that Adam's making here is the communication is the issue. That's where the breakdown is. And if you can get the order in right, you know, it's, it's less likely to go wrong. And uh, so there, there are definitely systemic issues there, but that's for another time. Anyway, let's uh, let's move on. Uh, I know your next uh, link here, Adam, I think is uh, I'm not even going to try to describe this. I have no idea what this is.
2: Oh, so before, okay. So this is my fault. Because you said Rise of the Machines, and I put Terminator above it, and then immediately above that I put Good versus Evil, because I thought that's the road we were going down. When clearly your Rise of the Machines was about some economist article, you know, like dealing with the the money side of things, which I was not prepared for. Um, so I, I I put... So we, we have the good examples of robots, which is robots fulfilling these tasks and doing this and that. Uh, and then I have the bad side of robots, and basically... We go down the Terminator, you know, path where I say like, "Fuck human-esque robots!" Right? I, I don't want to deal with that. Like, any robot that looks remotely like a human, no man, like, fuck that shit. That is that is not my cup of tea. That's not my bag, baby. Uh, get him out of here. Get the fuck out. Like, that's the biggest nope for me ever because I I don't want a Terminator. I don't want Ex Machina. I don't want all of those those things that once we start modeling these machines after ourselves, like I said, we're, we're not the best at doing anything, right? Humans, we're pretty clumsy creatures when it comes to, to anything. We're not fast. You know, we're not good at swimming. We're not good at jumping. We're, we're not good at a lot of things. Uh, so I don't know why anyone would want to model a robot after us. Um, I mean, I can imagine some ways, but I don't want to think about them too long. But fuck human robots. That was my my big thing, and I think that's where we, we start getting into, you know, the can of worms that we put, quickly put a lid on earlier, right, where the real problem is not that robots look like humans, or robots are, you know, made to do, that could, you know, kill us, or, you know, easily crush us and lift 500 pounds and do whatever. It's how smart do they get, and when do they realize that we aren't as, you know, strong as we claim to be, and they could easily you know take us apart uh and that's the issue we'll talk about later so that's the only thing that i had put in there and i think i summed up basically what i wanted to say and now I'll just be quiet
0: yeah no i i definitely agree with you adam i i was kind of uh on the fence when you first started uh your argument here just a minute or two ago but you've made your case and i i think i tend to agree with you i hadn't really thought about whether i wanted robots to look like humans or not but uh I think I'm all for. Do they really need to look like humans? In most cases, no. So uh, if
2: they don't need to, then just make them look like a machine. Yeah, the only thing is like, oh, they're they're friendlier. I'm like, I don't I don't want friendly robots. You know, like the friendliest robot I can imagine is you know the maid from the Jetsons. She was awesome, right? Uh, but that's the only robot that I can think of that's not creepy.
0: Yeah, I, I, I can understand from a like industrial design perspective, maybe making some things not, not just jarring to look at, but there's a difference between not jarring and very friendly and approachable. And somewhere in the middle is, is where I think we need to be. It freaks me out. I don't like it. Right. Like, (laughs) thank you. Like, and it's,
1: it's seriously, it, it it has nothing other than to do with it. It just freaks me out because it's, it's almost human, but it's it, it, there's something about it that's cold and not, and I don't like it.
2: It's that uncanny valley, right? You know where it's like you used to get this in video games too, right? Especially with like newer hardware, where you start looking at the cuts and you're like, I know this is computer rendering, and they're trying to make it look like human, and it's just not doing it for me.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely understand that. Anyway, let's move on to. Out of the workforce, but into more consumer robots. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but just some things that came to mind uh, was the old uh, iRobot, uh, you know, clan of robots that that invades your house and basically just you know does its vacuuming. And I think uh, Adam, you said you have one of these, don't you?
2: So I don't have an iRobot brand one. I uh, I bought a knockoff brand, which claims to be not as smart as the Roomba. But I don't hold that against it because it, you know, does its job just as well. Eliminating a mundane task, right? Like no one wanted to vacuum. No one liked doing it. But having this little robot just pressing a button and like having him go do his thing. And like he has a name, you know, I think it's the, the brand is E-U-F-Y. I'm not even sure how to pronounce it, but we all call him Eufy, right? So <laughs> RoboVac Yuffie, <Eufy>, he <laughs> kind of runs around the house and he does his thing and he and every once in a while he'll get stuck on like a carpet or something and he'll beep and say like, I need help. I need help. And we'll go there. Oh, I'm sorry. You stuck. And like, it's just become a comical thing, but it's great in the sense where it's, it's taking care of this job. It's doing it better than, than we could because it will do it more often. Um, and we, we can set it and forget it. You know, the great rotisserie chicken tagline, but, uh, Yeah, I I have a robot vacuum and I would love to have other robot cleaning appliances because household cleaning is, I think, a task that we can all agree is definitely not on the top of my priority list of things that I want to do. Um, So anything that can facilitate an easier cleanup or a quicker cleanup or a better cleanup or a less involved cleanup, like hands off completely. I'm all for it. So Yuffie definitely runs around and cleans up stuff. And I'll put a link to him in the show notes because he's a great little uh, robot. I need to get one of these pets. It was only like $200 too. I mean, like he was cheap. It's not bad. Yeah. He doesn't get along well with other pets. So if you have any other ones, like (laughs) make sure that they're not in the same room running around at the same time, because that's not pretty. Also be careful if you have indoor pets, because Efi's not so good at detecting, well, I don't want to say Efi because we haven't had this problem personally, but robots aren't very good at detecting, um, waste products from pets and have a lot of moving parts. And we'll just run that over continuously and not really notice that they've done something that's, or they've (laughs) tried to suck up something that's been expelled from the behind of another animal. And, uh, if you just look at some of the Amazon reviews for any robot vacuum, they definitely have those in there. It's like this robot's crap because it sucked up crap
0: <laughs> uh It's always good to have your robot like mash animal waste back into your carpet too.
2: You know what like the problem is, is like yeah, it pushes it back in the carpet, but then it just continues doing its job. It's just like, man, I gotta clean some stuff i gotta quit keep cleaning so it keeps just driving around the house and spreading it everywhere. So when you come home, you just got this, you know, like, just tra- trails of, you know, animal poop just running all over, all the way back to this little charging station. Where it's just sitting there like, hey, I cleaned the house for you. What do you think?
0: That's too funny. The uh, only other thing that came to mind for me in the consumer space was the, uh, like, pool cleaners. I mean, we we have these little, like... Uh, like a little things that crawl the bottom of our pools and, and help us kind of do the manual day-to-day cleaning. You know, you still have to have somebody come and kind of do, I feel like, the weekly cleanup of, especially like the surface of the pool. But there's that little snake that runs along the bottom of your pool, and these things get pretty fancy. I mean, like the, the link I put in here is like, some of these things are, at least when I remember, we had a pool when I was growing up, and they were these things were relatively new then. And I want to say you, my dad probably spent a couple hundred dollars on, on one then. But like upwards of a thousand dollars or more now, and they they get uh, pretty complex, and they look like
2: freaking Cadillacs crawling the bottom of your uh, your your pool. They're huge. Yeah, man, that gets pretty expensive. You, you know, it's funny though. So we we mentioned you know the the Robovac you know thing, but that iRobot company they actually make a bunch of different things. Like they have the vacuums, they have lawn mowers now too. They actually have like um, gardeners that will go and like actually remove weeds from your garden beds so you just basically put this like Roomba type garden robot in your garden beds and it will like go through and it can detect what's an actual plant and what's a weed and it will pull out just the weeds that's crazy
0: I'm sorry like I I don't know if I trust that
2: so okay well that gets into our whole you know can of worms thing right uh, it's like, how do I know it's not going to pull out like the actual plant that I wanted to, right? It killed my tomatoes. It's responsible. It's responsible for killing my tomatoes.
0: If it's mashing poop into my carpet, I'm pretty sure it can't tell if it's a tomato or not.
2: Well, like I said, this is the lawnmower or the the gardening robot, so it may be different. It's newer than you know, the uh, the vacuum robot, so maybe there's some you know more advanced sensors to figure that out. But uh, I mean, y- you think about that. We talk about this in a consumer level, right? But Imagine this in a, you know, agricultural space, right? If there was something that could go through and just remove weeds from a garden bed, you talk about doing something like this rather than something as invasive as spraying insecticide and, you know, weed killer over an entire crop, right? Like, there are some pretty big benefits to something like that um, if it can reach that scale.
0: Yeah, there definitely are benefits, big benefits.
1: I just see a bunch of those orange... Chinese robots all up in a, a little potato field just picking weeds, planting pota- potatoes.
2: Oh man, like harvesting stuff too, right? Like in <laughs> this big orchestra, right? Like just all crossing, intersecting with each other, waiting for one to go by and so polite. So polite. No, you have the right of way, sir. You please go.
0: I mean to to Adam's point, you you said earlier Adam that you know we kind of you you hate doing housework chores whatever you want to call it and that your your eufy is is you know kind of really great at that and it's really good at that one thing it does and i don't know about you guys but i think i would actually hate pulling weeds more than i would vacuuming my
2: house so uh oh, see i'm the opposite i love being outside like any outdoor landscaping type work oh it's so great i mean you talk about a time to churn through a bunch of podcasts like go weed whack and you know do a lawnmower because you have to put on you know isolation headphones crank that stuff up but just you're getting a decent like move around workout you're outside i can
0: see adam now like out there with like nice pair like over ear like i don't know banging and headphones on (laughs) just churning through podcasts
2: on the lawnmower and anyone walking by like just casually wave like hey what's up just mowing the lawn, listening to music. Oh, nope, not music, podcasts. You You're know? such
0: a Silicon Valley dad.
2: Okay, if I was a Silicon Valley dad, I would have someone else mow my lawn. <laughs> True. Or I wouldn't have a lawn. It'd be, you know, like some go green, brown, green, brown is the new green initiative type thing. Um, this is when I lived in Southern California, and I was wearing, like, just cheap Apple, you know, in-ear earpods that came with my, you know, whatever phone, because I didn't want to sweat all over my nice, my nice headphones, you know? Uh, and yeah, this is when I actually had a house that I could mow a lawn in. Like now that's not a thing anymore. So you can keep imagining that, but it's, it's not true. (laughs) I'm sitting in a place where we have no lawn and it's not, it's not green and see, but that's the thing, right? Lawns are really inefficient. Now we're going to go down a whole other, you know, open up another can of worms. Like lawns are inefficient. We replaced the lawn we had at our house down there with, a drought tolerant grass which everyone in southern california plant, plants cool season grass it doesn't make sense why they plant a grass that costs you know millions and millions of dollars to water uh and is really affecting you know the whole situation out there like we talked about with the drought and everything and most of the places in southern california you can plant a warm season grass and it's going to look brown in winter but who cares it's just going dormant but then in the summertime when it gets you know to like 80 degrees every day, this grass loves it. And you can water it like a tenth of what you have to water this cool season grass. I every time you look at a bag at Home Depot with cool season grass seed on it, it shows you like on the little map on the on the backside, it's like, hey, this is where this, you know, grass will, will grow best. And every place in Southern California sells this and they all want to plant it, and we're we're not the fucking blue shade. Like Southern California isn't part of the place where this grass will thrive. It's like, oh, you're gonna have to water it a shit ton for it to actually look good throughout the year. Like, do you still want this? Oh yeah, I totally want that. Just, it doesn't make any fucking sense. Sorry. I ranted about it, but so fucking stupid.
1: No, that was a good rant. And I agree
0: with you.
2: Right. Like if you want to plant grass, that's fine. Just plant a grass that's suited to grow in the environment that you want to grow it in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm going to sound a little uh, naive here, but I, I haven't ever really had to do major gardening work in terms of, other than just like mowing the lawn, I've never had to like reseed or do anything like that. But uh, I never understood when when I was growing up, at least where I grew up, there was two seasons of grass, and you would scalp the lawn like in this like right around this time of year, actually like October, and you'd plant a different seed of grass. And I, I never quite understood why we did that, but now I, I do.
2: Yeah. So with warm season grass, it's great in the summertime, right? It's great in places that gets tons of sun, you know, most of the year and who are warm throughout most of the year. But they say the first killing frost, right, the frost that's cold enough will make your grass go dormant. It will turn brown. So they overseed and they'll put a cool season grass in for the season, like a Bermuda grass or sorry, not Bermuda, maybe um, a bluegrass, I think Kentucky bluegrass, right? It's really nice grass, but they'll seed that on top of everything. And that will, you know, grow throughout the rainy months, throughout the cooler seasons. And it will be great, but then when it starts getting too hot, it starts dying off, which is great because then you cut all that off, that then becomes thatch that, you know, just all those nutrients just kind of seed into the grass below it, which is your warm season grass. And then that stuff, you know, sprouts right back up once it starts getting warm and you have a green lawn all year round. But that's the way they do it because if you have warm season grass, you're not going to have a green lawn all year round. You're going to have it, you know, eight out of the 12 months. But those four months for those people who need to have a green lawn all the time, thanks Homeowners Association, I'm looking at you because you tell me like your lawn is brown. I'm like, yeah, it's the grass. Like, well, it needs to be green per your HOA guidelines. I'm like, I'm paying you guys to sit here and lecture me how to keep my lawn. This doesn't make sense to me. I mean, I get that you guys have a pool and I can come use it anytime I want. But come on, man, get off my back. (laughs) Now, you know, Lou. Now I know.
1: So, so much of what you're saying. Yes.
2: I'm sorry, it's 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 homeowner rants mixed in with technology podcasts, mixed in with robots, you know. What what more could you ask for?
1: <laughs> Instead of yelling at kids to get off your lawn, you're gonna be yelling at people for not having the right kind of lawn. I'm trying to think of what the
2: equivalent of that would be. Like get off my lawn, plant a different lawn. Get your bluegrass out of here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not season for that yet. <laughs> <laughs> It's after Labor Day. <laughs> no bluegrass after Labor Day.
0: <laughs> oh no. Cool. Well, uh I know there were some uh final notes here, just some miscellaneous stuff. I know the the first thing that was dropped in here was uh BattleBots, which I know a little bit about. It. At least I don't know the the old so well, but I know I've definitely seen the new uh show which I think is Pretty neat. Uh, but uh, Adam, you want to give us a little more context?
2: I love how, like, oh, I, I've seen the new one, but the old one, Adam's going to have to tell about that. <laughs> Come on, man. Um, yeah, so I, I put this in there because if anyone watched, uh, I, I forget which channel it was on actually, but they had Battlebots, right? Uh, in the early 2000s. And these people would basically make robots. Wasn't it Spike? Sp- well, no. I think they did reruns on Spike. What was Spike before it was Spike?
1: Anyway, unimportant. Sorry.
2: Well, that's going to bug me now. So, I mean, it's not unimportant in the sense that it's going to bug me. Um, But I want to say it was like the sci-fi channel or something like that. But they basically have these robots, remote control, you know, robots that would go into this like cage arena match, death match, right? And they'd have robots that would, you know, have hammers on them or robots that would spin up, you know, like chainsaw type things. And ones that had claws that would try to flip other robots. Ones that would like launch them into the air, like 12 feet into the air, uh, just by getting like this, uh, this little shovel, like under them. And then just popping this, you know, pneumatic actuator, just poof, shoot them, uh, launch them up and flip them over. And the arena also had, like, just saws that would randomly come out of the ground or, like, a hammer on the side. Like, if you got too close to the side, this hammer would come down and start hitting you. Um, so when we talk about robots, BattleBots is always, like, the first foray into, like, robots that could actually, like, hurt you, for me. Because <laughs> we always, like, thought of robots as, oh, friendly things back in the day. And these were robots that would get into this cage match death arena, right? And we talk about robots, you know, once they do become self-aware. All the shit that we they, they see, we made them do, and they start looking at BattleBots, but it's just like, look, they made us fight to the death. They forced us to go in against our will and fight to the death. And this sounds eerily, you know, familiar to uh, to historians, right? <laughs> but BattleBots, if you've never seen it, it's definitely something to check out.
1: We've definitely uh, we've been mean to our robots. We've been mean to our little creations, and when they become sentient, they're uh,
2: they're not going to be happy about it. We're first on their shit list. I I just
0: really like, at least in the new show, every once in a while, someone puts one of those like flamethrowers on their uh, battle bot and they just burn the crap out of uh, one of the other bots, which I think that's hilarious. I don't know why. It's really (laughs) funny. (laughs)
2: yeah it's the most like useless weapon too like let me just shoot flames at you i know you're mostly made of metal and all of your sensitive parts are hidden underneath this giant metal exterior but hey i'll get the crowd cheering and that's what matters
0: (laughs) (laughs) definitely that is like bonus points guaranteed you just get the crowd cheering
2: (laughs) yeah lou's like my money's on the bot with the flame flower they're like lou oh look something is on fire i better yell about it (laughs) yeah yeah
0: Cool. Uh, so this shitty robots, Reddit, uh, link, uh, Adam, I, I, I checked this out briefly. Um, but it was, it's, it's kind of, it's really funny actually. Uh, but I, I, I haven't, uh, subscribed, but, uh, it, it was, there are some funny things on this. I'll, I'll definitely have to drop this, uh, in the, uh, show notes, but do you, is there any particular like robot you want to describe or is it just like the whole channel?
2: Um, there's just the whole subreddit in particular is is amazing like you talk about all these shitty robots that people design and if you if you if you're ever worried about you know the human robots coming and taking over you can take a glance at shitty robots and it's just robots falling over robots doing it's really dumb stuff i know there's one robot that's trying to play soccer and there's a qr code like on the soccer ball and you see it like go up and like get ready to line up its shot and it's getting ready to kick the soccer ball and then it just falls over (laughs) <laughs> misses the soccer ball completely uh it's it's great there's um i believe a couple of the boston dynamics robots in there too one where he's trying to like lift up a box and put it onto like a rolly cart you know like an office type setting and you see him you know and he kind of starts you know fumbling with the, the box and like pushing along the cart and then the cart falls over and the box falls over and then the robot eventually falls over it's it's a great to watch. So if you just go to the subreddit and look at the best posts or the most upvoted posts for the year, it's, it's amazing.
1: This is going to be the propaganda the robots use when they, when the uprising happens.
2: For sure. Absolutely. Like, look at this. They, they actually enjoyed this. They voted on which one of us was the shittiest robot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's funny because like I just hear a random laugh like as we're, as we're talking, and I know it's just someone on that subreddit.
0: So I didn't get a chance to check out the next link in the uh, show notes here, but uh, is this a individual? Who is this, uh, Jim? Did you drop this in?
1: I did. Um, actually, in the subreddit, uh, this person's there too. Um, she makes she purposefully makes robots that are bad at the tasks that she's designed them to do. And one of my favorite ones is where um, she built this robot to give a bottle to a baby. And obviously it was just like a doll baby. But it basically just took the bottle and just punched the baby straight in the face <laughs> and into the crib. And it was
2: so funny. I know that's in the top uh, post for the year in the shitty robots Reddit. And she's definitely in there a lot, uh, Simone. She, she's, she's all over that Reddit. It's so great. <laughs> oh man, it's really good. Just the timing of it is epic because it's like it's the robot grabs the bottle, like it's, like it's like it's like it's like lining up too, and there's just this doll sitting in the crib, right? And it's lining it up. It's like, all right, I'm gonna just gently, and then smack. <laughs> So yeah, so oh. we're the horrible people laughing at these robots, you know, but a lot of them were made for our humor, so... <laughs> that sounds horrible, but...
1: It's a good thing these robots aren't sentient. <laughs> yeah.
2: What is my purpose? You serve butter. Oh my god. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's all you do. You serve butter. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs>
2: Uh, ending, ending it on a light note. <laughs> yeah, definitely lighthearted. That was,
0: that was definitely a good discussion of uh, robots. So kind of wrapping up this week, I know, uh, Adam, you got some uh, new tech in your life. You want to describe what, you, what new toy you got?
2: Yeah, so uh, I got a new computer. Um, Hooray! I know, woo! Uh, so I, I bought uh, one of the new iMacs. Um, It had been kind of like long overdue. We've been talking about getting a desktop uh, because my wife and I, we both have laptops and I have a desktop at work, but there was really no need for us to have a desktop at home. Um, So just kind of like going through our lives and now the kids are getting older, you know, doing more projects, this and that. I was like, you know what? Like, I need something. I would like to have something that's stationary, right? Because I would take my. The laptop that I have now, and that's where I would do all of my heavy lifting stuff. Like if I needed to do any programming, I would do it on that. Or if I needed to do any, you know, editing for the show or anything in logic, I would do it all on that. And I had a an external display for a long time, and then I got rid of that too, just because when we moved, it was kind of cumbersome and I was the only one who could use it just because of the hookups. So we decided like, hey, you know what? Time to get a new computer. So we bought an iMac, a nice 27-inch iMac. um, And I set it up the other night, and it's been transferring data and doing all its normal you know, get-ready-to-get-up-and-running stuff. So I had to scramble to get another computer ready to do the show tonight. But yeah, so that's the new tech in my life. Just a nice new computer, just another workhorse to do what I needed to do and grow with the family essentially now because once the kids are – you know doing more school reports or doing more whatever it's nice to have one central computer that everyone can use uh, and then we still have the laptops for our you know personal just whatever we need to do well congratulations man that's awesome i know right like it, it's it's one of those things where you look at a computer and buying a computer is usually a pretty big purchase right and i spent a lot of time thinking about it i'm like okay well like what size do i want to get what specs do i want to get do i want to go with like a, an all at an all SSD drive or do I want to do like a fusion drive Uh, and kind of went through all those options. Right. And me being frugal, it, it always went from like, Oh, it'd be really nice to have a one terabyte SSD, but I don't want to spend, you know, the extra X amount of dollars is going to be to get that. So you ended up deciding on a fusion drive. I did. Yeah. So I, I went with, um, kind of the, the top of the, the top tier. Model that they have of the 27 inch, um which the specs escaped me from the top of my head, but I know it had the video card with uh eight gigs of RAM and the two terabyte standard drive or fusion drive that came just standard. Uh and I bought the one that was in stock so I could go pick it up the same day because I didn't want to wait for something to ship to me. So got it. And did you do uh any RAM changes? No, not yet got it so-, so I'm rocking the you know the the standard eight gigs which for now will be fine for me in terms of since I'm really the only one using it at this at this point in time and I'm pretty good about managing if I need to uh, with with applications and things like that so I make sure that I'm not pushing the system too hard I had a couple things open today and it was doing just fine it's a, it's a new computer so I don't expect it to have any issues with kind of any work that I'm doing at this point. But I do plan to up it to thirty-two very shortly.
0: Yeah, these uh those new computers I'm pretty sure they can get like 64 gigs or more? Yeah. yeah man, it's crazy. Like it, I know you're you definitely are someone, Adam, who taught me to just kinda like leave everything open, especially on my laptop with uh flash storage is just like, all right, run your entire uh all apps in RAM all the time. So, uh, I can see you needing 32 gigs sooner
2: rather than later. You know, I would assume so, but for the most part, I'm, I'm good. I I can limit my usage when I need to. It's when I'm editing the show and I want to play Diddy Kong racing, just kind of spur of the moment, you know? So when I have logic open, you know, bouncing a, a project, you know, and, uh, 18 other, you know, Safari windows open and open emu running and iTunes running and whatever else running. Yeah, then I start running out of space on my desk pretty quick.
0: Definitely. That can lead to a problem. That's for sure. But hey,
2: it works great. I'm happy. Everyone's happy. Cool, man. Congrats. That's a that's a big addition to the fam. It's not a human. It's it's a computer. It's it's a robot. (laughs) Yeah. It's a shitty robot. Oh, I mean, no. <laughs> uh,
0: all right, uh, Adam, you threw one more uh, swipe at me here at the end and wrap up uh, that I
2: don't know how to calendar. You've, you don't know how to fucking calendar. Let me tell you that much. So let's just say, like, scheduling this this podcast for, for all of us to make sure that we're available at the same time, this and that, right? There are some great built-in utilities, and some of them gave us a little bit of trouble at the start. But then they started working. So Lou, you know, being, hey, like, I'll schedule this stuff. I'll get it working. Schedules a calendar event, invites me. Like, I accept the calendar invite. And then I ask him, I'm like, why isn't this a repeating event? Like, why is this only for this one time? We know we'd want to try to record at the same time every time. He's like, fine, fine, fine. So you make another event and invite me to that one. I'm like, now I have two events that I have to accept the invitation to. Like, why can't you just change the event? Like, just edit the event. That's common sense. So, yeah, you don't know how to fucking calendar, and you didn't follow the instructions I left in the Slack. And I see you put a link in here to troubleshooting theory, but I'm like, you can't claim troubleshooting theory is you're out when I gave you the instructions. So it's more like read the fucking manual.
0: Hey, man, I thought I thought, I thought thought you were uh, in the backseat again, and I, I didn't understand why I needed to follow the instructions. And, uh, you know, I, I put the link to troubleshooting theory because you, of all people, I feel like should should definitely understand that, you know, you, you test something first. You know, when you're, like, trying to test, uh, you know, like, oh, God, is my cloud service syncing everything? Well, let me put one thing in here. It's not like, let me put
2: 10,000 contacts in there and see if it syncs that to That wasn't my- the problem. The problem wasn't that you just put one thing in there. The problem is that you put another thing in there after it rather than edit the original thing. Because then you're killing two birds with one stone. Hey, I created something, A, awesome, that works. I should have totally
0: just deleted the original thing and then just created a new one on that same day. I would have just pissed you off even more.
2: No, that actually would have been better with me because then my calendar is clear. you know? I I could understand that more than (laughs) creating a separate event for the next week. Like, I, I would have preferred you to delete it and start over rather than, like... I feel like pleasing Congress...
0: Is easier than satisfying Adam sometimes. The amount
1: of sass that you have sometimes, Lou, just, oh, it makes me so happy.
2: Yeah, it's just, it, <laughs> you You just didn't, you just didn't follow the instructions. And I was just like, you know what? I would have gladly done it myself, but like, no, when we had our little conference call and Lou was like, I'll take care of this and I'll take care of this. And I'm like, okay, 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 cool. I agree. Like, I don't want to, I'll be the back seat for this one. And then like, yeah, I'm going to backseat drive because you're going to like, oh, God, it's just like there's a car there. There's a car there. Don't merge. There's a car there. And you're like, oh, there's, there's, I'm just going to start going. <laughs> Fucking we can't even get through the drive through at Del Taco without you like smacking into something or.
0: I told you I've on this podcast, I'm pretty sure that I've driven through a uh, Del Taco drive through backwards before. Backwards, so.
2: which is not the way that you go through a drive through.
0: So yeah, you either need to sit in this car and sit in the back seat or I'm going to pull it over and you're going to get out. Is that a threat? <laughs> this is like a dad threat. Come on. This is, this is the threat that every dad gives their child.
2: This is, this is a dad threat against a dad where that doesn't, that doesn't work.
0: Don't make me pull this car over.
2: You know, I can honestly say that I've, I don't think I've ever used that particular line. Um, mainly because like, they know you're not going to pull over. Like, when that line was fed to me, I am like, sure, you're going to pull over and what? Like, let me out of the car and drive away? Uh-huh, that's going to work really well.
0: <laughs> so true.
2: So, Lou, learn a calendar.
0: I don't think I've learned a calendar still, so uh, good luck with that.
2: It'll just be another thing. I'll get another invite that'll be like, hey, Adam, you know, accept this new recurring event. I'm like, why do I have to accept another recurring event for the same thing? It's the same exact thing. And I love it because Jim just like accepted it. He's like, yep, cool. Yep, cool. And I'm like, oh, no, no. It's not how you do it, man. It's not how you do it.
0: See, preferably, I would have set it up like on an individual episode basis and I would send you guys one like once a week and that would then how, clear how out. How are
2: we going to plan for that? How can I plan a month out if you only send it to me that week? My whole thing is like, I'm I to I could be able send to it to you. Out.
0: I could send it a month out. That That's fine. But. But, you know, these things don't Why do you want to? Cl-
2: Why do you want to make more work for yourself?
0: It, it, is it really more work? It takes, like, 90 seconds to, like, copy-paste an event and then send this it. This mundane
2: says- task could totally be done by a fucking robot. <laughs> Let the fucking robot do it.
0: So, listeners, if
1: you want to know what we talk about uh, during our off hours and when we're not recording shows, this is it. Calendar stuff.
2: Basically. Just a rant about how Luke can't schedule the damn calendar (laughs) and it doesn't bug me that much it just bugs me a little bit
0: adam just needs to find ways to to get mad at me so he looks for them excessively
2: i didn't have to look very hard let me tell you that
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right well i think that does it for this week uh i guess we'll see you again next week
2: see you
1: then if it's on my calendar ha ha (laughs) That's my robot laugh. (laughs)
2: It's a very nice little utility, Lou. Yes. Yes, it
0: is. It does its job well. For $5. I know you
2: didn't even find it. The one that I found was free, and it was this convoluted shortcut.
0: Yeah, terrible thing.
2: (laughs) Hey, for free, it was pretty nice. You have to admit. (laughs) Like, it did its job.
0: Adam being frugal as fuck right now.
2: (laughs) I'm telling you, man, when people are whining at you, you just send them the cheese emoji, and they're like, what's this? Like some cheese to go with that (laughs) wine. (laughs) My wife once again showed me that, and I thought it was the best thing ever. So whenever someone starts ranting at me in a text message, you send them cheese, and you only have to explain it once. And the next time they start whining, you just send them the cheese again, and it's just like radio silence.
0: Oh, <laughs> my God. You are the worst, world's worst troll.
1: Let me just sniffle my nose. All right.
2: That was good. That was a good, that was a good sniffle.